May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The week had started with a triumphal procession. How long ago that seemed now. And only last night, not even 24 hours ago, they were drinking and partying, celebrating the triumph of their God. That triumph long ago, that triumph they expected now, now that the Messiah had come to Jerusalem. But since last night, how much had happened? Judas had betrayed Jesus and then killed himself. Peter had denied ever knowing Jesus, let alone being his disciple. And now all of the rest of the disciples have scattered. They are fleeing for their lives, filled with despair. They were terrified of what might happen next now that the leader of the movement has been captured and killed. What will happen to the other members of the movement? And Peter, who less than 24 hours ago was so full of joyous, hopeful expectations, Peter says, it shouldn't be this way. It wasn't supposed to be this way. This weekend, God was supposed to act. And yet, here is our God acting. Here is our God defying the powers of this world in love. Jesus didn't end up on the cross by accident. While everyone around Jesus is crying out, it shouldn't be this way. The women are standing on the hillside, consumed with what is happening here, crying out, it shouldn't be this way. The disciples are saying, it shouldn't be this way. But Jesus knew that this was how it was going to end all along. And it wasn't a tragic series of events that led him to the cross. It was a deliberate series of intentional choices that Jesus made over quite a considerable period of time, knowing what the consequences would be. And yet he made those choices anyway, steadfastly, in love. Jesus knew what awaited him in Jerusalem, and yet he went anyway. He didn't know because he was the Son of God and because he could predict the future or God had already told him this was all necessary for everything. He knew the same way that everyone in Russia right now knows that certain things will get you killed. Because when you live under tyranny, these sorts of things are fairly obvious. These are the kinds of things that get people killed. Unless you're in denial, you're going to come back to denial. See, there are a few historical facts 
we need to know to understand this story in all of its richness. This story is written as if it is the Jews who are the enemies. But that's a bit like saying it is the Ukrainian governors of conquered territories who are the enemies. It's a bit like saying they're the ones who are responsible for all of this. And if only they decided different, everything would be different. To say that is to ignore the whole picture of how they came to behave that way in the first place. And that whole picture is about the modus operandi of how Rome governed its territories. See, Rome, like tyrants everywhere, had certain ways that they liked to do things, certain ways that over decades and decades of practice they had become really good at. And the way Rome worked was this. They would corrupt the entire governing class of their territory, and they would corrupt them in two ways. They would corrupt them according to all of their best interests, so they would give them great status and positions and nice homes, and they would make sure that they were rich, and they would corrupt them through fear. There were terrible consequences if you didn't do what your job was, and your job was to keep the people pacified. That was your job. And all those benefits, you could lose them just like that. And your family, and your friends, and your children, and your home, you could lose them just like that. <clears throat> this combination of reward and terrible consequence. Historically, we know this is how Rome governed. And so Pilate, washes his hands, because a bit like Putin, he has arranged that he doesn't actually need to deal with that, because all he has to do is make mention of the fact that the situation is not all that peaceful, and he knows that the system that the Romans had put in place now over 70 years of their conquest of the Holy Land, it's going to look after itself. And that's what we see happening in this story. We have stories from history that Pilate was an exceptionally cruel governor. There was some issue with an aqueduct. There was an uprising in Jerusalem by the people. And Pilate gave orders that whoever they could catch would be crucified. Men, women, and children just go out onto the street, catch a bunch of random people, and crucify them to make sure everyone knows if anyone rises up against us, there will be consequences. And let us not forget, this is the Feast of Passover when the city is straining with visitors and the pilgrims all come to celebrate God's earlier triumph over an earlier empire. And so, according to Borg and Crossan, every year the Romans flooded the city with soldiers during Passover. It was a terrible threat of violence close at hand the moment anything seemed to be getting out of hand. So Jesus knew perfectly well 
what he was walking into when he walked into Jerusalem at Passover. He knew what he was saying could get him killed, and he went ahead and did it anyway. Steadfastly did he recall the people's hearts to hope in God. Steadfastly did he remind them of God's love with them, with the poor. Steadfastly did he cross every line of oppression that the Romans had set up. And he did not sway from his course of love even as he led as they led him to the cross it shouldn't be this way that's the denial talking the denial in the hearts of the disciples the denial perhaps in our own hearts to the idea that somehow maybe there shouldn't be any consequences because jesus is the messiah and surely he can do the right thing without being punished for but he was the Messiah, and goodness gracious, there would be consequences for it. And they leveraged those consequences, trying to sway him from his course, and he was not swayed. He faced every worst consequence they could bring to bear on him. It cost him everything, and he persevered to the very end nonetheless. He was unbroken. He persevered in love and he died as he knew he would upon the cross. This is our God at work, defiant in love. He breaks the power of fear, not by might, as they all expected that weekend, but with a love which conquers fear. A love which conquers tyrants, a love which conquers abusers and bullies. A love which will not be discouraged by anything that we do, by any way that we participate in the tyranny and the abuse. It will not be discouraged by any consequences that may come it will not be discouraged by any failures on our part. This is the love of God for the world. It is not the triumph the disciples had planned for. This wasn't the Messiah they were expecting. It shouldn't be this way. And so as God acts right in front of their very eyes, they cannot see it. It will take time. The understanding and the celebration are still to come. The Messiah is still to rise. But here, the work is done. Here is our God, enthroned in glory, triumphant. For a moment, he is at rest. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep before its shearers is silent. This 
is our God, who so loved the world that he was faithful to the end.